Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Usually, when rabbis talk about a Torah portion, they like to talk about the Torah portion we're reading during the particular week. I'm going to do something a little bit different this time. I'm going to talk about last week's Torah portion because it's one of my favorite of the entire year. And not only is it one of my favorites, but I think it was a favorite among the, the, the Talmudic rabbis. And I can attest to that fact by the great amount of midrash, the great amount of commentary and passionate commentary that's written about this story. It's a fantastic story which talks about timeless issues such as faith, not only faith in God, but faith in ourselves, self-confidence, and being careful how we approach our lives and how we judge others. So it's, it's a great portion. So let's set the scene. God says to Moses, Shlach lecha anashim, Send scouts out, send men out to scout out the land of Canaan and bring back to the people who are still in the journey from Egypt to the promised land, bring them back a report on what the land is like and what the people are like and what the cities they live in are like so that the people can get a picture of what this land is like. Now, according to the tradition and according to many of the rabbinic commentaries, the word shlach lecha, which means you send or send for you, scouts, contains a very important element to the story. According to the rabbis, God says to Moses, if you want to send out scouts, go ahead. But I've already told the people what the land is like. They should have confidence without the scouts. But if you think it's necessary, go ahead. Now, that's an important element in the story because the story ends up with a disastrous ending. The scouts go and come back, 12 of them, and 10 of them say, well, they all say at the beginning, the land is beautiful, and 10 of them say, it may be beautiful, but we can't conquer it. The people are too strong. They're stronger than we are. And in fact, by looking at the language, the Hebrew language of the text in a particular way, they're also saying that the people are stronger than God and we can't conquer the land. It's very interesting then that the rabbinic commentary is that God says to Moses, send out scouts for yourself. Because God says, I don't need to have the people have that confirmation. It should be enough from what I say. But if you think it's necessary, go ahead. So when the project turns out to be a disaster, the blame falls more on Moses than on God. Although it's very interesting in the book of Deuteronomy when Moses recounts the story to the people, the next generation, on the edge of entering into the land of Canaan, Moses says, you, in essence, their parents, you told me to send out scouts. So Moses passes the blame on to, uh, to, the, to, to, the, to the people and saying, it wasn't my idea in the first place. You were the ones who, you were the ones who wanted me to do this. So there's a little bit of passing the buck going along from God to Moses to the people. But whatever it is, when the people hear these 10 scouts say that the land can't be conquered, they say, we want to go back to Egypt. And it's that sin that is punished by that generation wandering in the desert. And the only people from that generation allowed to enter into the land are Kalev and Joshua, 
the two of the 12 scouts who stood firm in their faith and tried to get the people to understand that with faith in God and faith in themselves, they could conquer the land. So it's a fascinating story. But I want to share with you two particular midrashim on the story, two commentaries, which are just fantastic. The first one has to do with one of the things that the people say, the 10 scouts say when they come back. They say there were giants in the land. We felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, they say, and so we must have appeared to them. We felt like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we must have appeared to them. There is a brilliant rabbinic commentary on this, which is chilling in many ways. God says upon hearing the people say this, okay, nicha in, in the Aramaic, okay. You felt like grasshoppers. It happens to everybody on occasion. We all think a task is too big for us. We all think that we're small compared to others. But God goes on and says, how dare you assume that that's the way you look to them? Maybe, God says, I made you look like angels in their eyes. Think about what this statement says. The statement says that it is perfectly natural for us to feel at times overwhelmed by a particular task or a particular situation to feel that we don't have the ability to deal with something or that we're too small for a particular task. That's perfectly normal, and it happens to everyone. But the real problem comes when you then project that thought of your own inadequacies and your own uh, lack of, of ability onto other people and say, that's the way they think about me, because then it becomes something which really paralyzes you. We can overcome a sense at times of being inadequate to things by pushing harder, by taking risks, by, by, by our trying in whatever way possible to increase our self-confidence. But when we go into a situation and say, everybody else sees me as too small for it, then it's over. So I think that one of the great ideas that the rabbis offer us is to say, yes, we all have doubts about ourselves sometimes, but we can overcome those doubts as long as we don't think the entire world shares those doubts with us. And I think it's a very important point and one that's really beautiful and something to consider. And again, something that I hope that you'll be able to discuss, perhaps with your families, perhaps with others, as trying to understand the impact this would have in your life. Now, a related idea from earlier in the Torah portion. And this is the, the um, subject of a great rabbinic controversy in terms of how to understand these words. And I'm going to show you uh, what I think that the, the, the side of the rabbinic commentary, the controversy that I would side with. You may want to either look at a humash, look at a copy of the Torah, or maybe write these words down on a piece of paper as I share them with you and you'll see what I mean. So in, verse, in chapter 13, verse 18 of Numbers, uh, God says to, to Moses to tell the people who are going to scout out the land that they should look at the land and, and see about the people who live in them, in the land. Are they strong or are they weak? Hechazaku harafeh. 
Chazak, strong, rafet, weak. Are they strong or are they weak? And then a few phrases later in the next verse, it says, do they live in cities that are b'machanim or b'mivtsarim? Do they live in open cities or in fortresses? So I want you to listen to those four words again, four concepts. And again, you can write them down two on one line and two on the line below. Are the people strong or weak? Do they live in open camps or do they live in fortresses? Strong, weak, open camps or fortresses. How are we understanding the relationship between those two phrases? Well, one of the forms of literature that's very common in the Torah and it's common in Greek literature is what's called a chiasm, where it's an A, B, B, A kind of a setup. You have two phrases, and the first word in the first phrase is parallel to the second word in the second phrase, and the second word in the first phrase is parallel to the first word in the second phrase. So if you drew a line between them, you'd have an X, a chi in Greek, and it would be very simple to understand this text this way. Are the people strong or weak? Do they live in, uh, do they live in open camps or in fortresses? You connect strong to fortresses and weak to open camps. Makes sense. People who are strong are the ones who live in a fortress. People who are weak live in open camps. But many of the rabbis disagreed with this, and I have to side with those who disagreed. They say it's not a chiasm. It's not ABBA. It's ABAB. Listen, are they strong or weak? Do they live in do they live in open camps of fortresses? And these rabbis point out this fact. The strong people live in open camps. It's the weak people who build fortresses. And it's not a chiasm, it's a straight parallel. Because if you have people living in an open camp, it means they trust in their own strength to be able to be open and to be out in the open. While people who are weak depend upon walls and fortresses to surround them. Two different ways of looking at it. But let's look at it the second way and concentrate on that. And not think about armies and nations, think about ourselves. How do we show strength? Do we show strength by building walls around ourselves, by limiting that which we do? Or does, do we express strength by being open to new ideas, being open to taking risks, being out as part of the world, and therefore not hiding behind a wall, but being proud of who we are appropriately and confident appropriately as well in our abilities? I think the rabbis were making a tremendously important point that when the people went and looked at people in the land who were behind fortresses, not to take that as a sign of strength, but as a sign of weakness, of some self-doubt, and rather look at the people who were in the open as being confident and strong. Now, the truth is that there obviously has to be a balance. As I've spoken about many times in this podcast, we need places of sanctuary. We need to be able to retreat sometimes into places where, where we feel secure. But in general, in our lives, our strength lies in our ability to have enough confidence in ourselves to be out in the world, 
to be open to new ideas, to be open to taking risks, appropriate risks, and to be to, to show that even though we occasionally have doubts about ourselves, occasionally think of ourselves as grasshoppers, that we don't want the rest of the world to look at us that way. We want the rest of the world at least to recognize our abilities and with the appropriate amount of humility, and we all need humility, to, to display at the same time a sense of confidence in being part of the world. It's a great story. And the rabbis tapped into some great ideas. So I hope you'll take some time to think about it. And again, talk with your family, perhaps with your children, about how important it is to have enough self-confidence to be out in the world and not be afraid of what others think about us at any moment. Until next time, thank you.